cul-de-sac contemplating murder. Swerving with my circus, looking for a purpose. Pseudo clean record hope got Why don't you just call us that? You can tell us that. Well, you I, just type want, it. I just wanted to get the chat started. <laughs> well, so. we open up episode 111 with y'all some bitches. Good way to start. So. I do want to. I do want to throw this out here up front. Uh, we, we haven't called out a lot of businesses and, and things like this. This re- this really isn't about. Well, I guess it is a business, but it's more charity work. So, one of our listeners, Gary. Uh, and, and he's as old as we are uh, and probably as broke as we are. And he's, uh, you know, gone through many of the struggles that we've all gone through, all the folks, you know, that, that are prior service military veterans um, and, and not just veterans, but a lot of folks in general. And you had, you know, at the end of the day, part of your, and th- this will go in this book that we're going to write, part of it is having purpose, right? You have to have some dedication to something. You have to have some purpose to your life. And especially when you get to folks that, after they've retired or after they've moved on to, you know, they, they've done a lifetime of work in one field, they go somewhere else. Uh, you, you still have to find some purpose. And, and one of the organizations that he's working with now is Mission 22. Uh, you can go to their website, www.mission22thenumber22.com. So Gary, and, and by the way, I volunteered both of you guys to help him out with this, is going to do a ruck march. <laughs> so... <laughs> It's good because the money goes to obviously helping out veterans that are struggling with PTSD. Uh, something that's, that's, I haven't seen a whole lot of this, but you know, part of their mission statement is to help out uh, as far as memorial services and things like that. Because we always hear the 22 a day, right, as far as veteran suicides. And you always talk about the help up front. And unfortunately, at least 22 a day don't get the help. And, and I don't see too many things out there that uh, help out on the back end as far as you know, memorial services and, 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 you know, those type of things, uh, you know, every now and then out here in Phoenix, we see a call out that, Hey, a veteran passed away and no family members or anything. Can, can people come out here and, you know, uh, at least attend or whatever. And I think they play a, a pretty good role in that. But anyway, I need to find out more info from him as far as his date, but I think he's going to do a weighted ruck march of at least like a hundred pounds. Uh, oh. I've heard that he's doing 22 miles. Uh, so what I told him was, uh, you know, give us the date. And uh, Luke and Josh will support him, kind of like with the Mogadishu Mile, where they do it across the country. You know, you can represent, so you guys will get a ruck, though, in uh, hundred pounds, go twenty-two miles, and I you know, don't, help out I don't, no, hundred pounds, no. So, no. for those out there, you you guys, including the listeners, if you don't want to do that, your other option is to go to www.mission22.com and just donate. Or I think does if you look at our, be, does it have to be hundred pounds? <laughs> no, I think I just made all that up. Hundred pounds, okay, good. good. Yeah. Okay, good. And we can count Darren in on that too. Uh, yeah, there you go. And yeah, so I, I'm, I'll get Darren on board with that, our listener Darren, to give him a shout out every time. But yeah, as long as it's not 100 pounds, man, I no. <laughs> well, and, you know, Josh, and, Josh and said, it, I Gary. Think, he said like two episodes ago, he's like, hey, guys that are out there running, you know, with 100 pound rucks on their back, like your body will thank you later if you stop. Yeah, don't do any of that stuff. And, and I think he's doing something, you know, pretty, he's doing some pretty lightweight and, uh, you know, at least it'll be enjoyable for him. But those that, you know, I, I think I posted a Taylor on our Facebook page. If you're so inclined to want to help out and donate, it's a good cause. It is a good cause. I looked up the company today, uh, you know, went through a thing. Nobody's perfect as far as, you know, all their ratings, but they seem to be very legitimate and, and serving a is, legit service. Can you, can you pick your own route or how does that work? Dude, you can walk around your house. I don't care. No, I, yeah, but that's what I'm asking about the thing is like, you could just pick a route and go 22 yep. miles. Okay. I, I made it the 22 miles too. Oh, you did? Well, yeah, mission 22, 20. it just, it just went well with mission 22, 22 miles, 
So yeah, I threw out 22 as well. I think you can literally just go ruck as far as you want to. Uh, it's more just to bring awareness to the, to the cause and, you know, folks that, you know, they like to donate a dollar a mile or whatever it is, but you know, if our listeners out there are so inclined, uh, definitely head to our, our Facebook page. We put the link up there. Um, or, you know, you can go to mission 22, number com and, and support them directly. If you cho- I know, so choose, I know Josh is typing. I'm kind of waiting for what he says, but Josh, do you think that you would, have <laughs> 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 so Josh, do you think you could do a 22 miler? Just say with like, let's just go super light with 25 pounds. Yeah, I could do it. Yeah. It's, it's what's going to, what's going to happen about like, you know, 24, 36, you know, 72 hours after that. That's the, that's the real question. What shape will I be in afterwards? I can do it. I mean, but you know, I, I think the three of us, we can get through anything. Um, it's just going to be how long is it going to take me to recover? Well, I'm, I'm looking at doing a couple of things. And we talked about this last year, I think, and it was still shut down because of COVID. And uh, that was the White Sands uh the uh, baton death march. I think it would be really fun. I think a, a few members of our audience, I've already got some buy-in from some people. It's like, we put together a team, we could make it like a C3 event where the three of us come out there and we just kind of kick it out of white sands and for, do the, do the event. And I think that this would be a good start for me to just set a goal and, and uh, do this one, this mission 22 thing, and then maybe plan on that uh, white sands, you know, baton death march. And I'm also planning, I'm not going to give any details of this yet because Darren knows, but I'm, I'm looking at doing an ultra, not an ultra marathon, but it's an ultra uh, for 55 hours. Uh, you're just moving for not, not 55 hours straight. The goal is to get 100 miles. And I think 100 miles in 55 hours is, is totally doable. Uh, but I'm looking at doing that uh, either this year or next. I'll probably do it, I don't know, man, maybe next year, you know, 50 years old, uh, do that 55 thing. Uh, just to see if I can do it, you know. Um, and of course, I'm sure you, you can. Well, yeah, you it's wouldn't do it like all Josh straight. Said. It's not yeah. that you can't do it. It's it's. Hey, what are you going to pay for the, the next week because you <laughs> and did Darren, it? And Darren says, well, you know, and Darren's like a natural athlete. He he's goofy as hell, but he's he's a natural athlete. He's the kind of guy that almost doesn't need to train for something like that. He could go out and just do it and I gut hate it. Him. I know, yeah. right? Yeah, and, for real. I hate but, you, but for me, I've got to like get my body ready for that. There is no way I could just, Oh, you know, I'll walk for a couple hours a day and then, (laughs) and then walk for, you know, 18 hours straight, sleep for six hours, uh, you know, 12 hours. And then, you know, like that, I I've got to get my body ready for it. My body will, my body would shut down. I know it would, my joints would be like, Nope, Nope, not doing this. But when is the, uh, when is the baton death March? Oh, you had to ask. I want to say it's in the spring. Yeah. I want to say it's in the spring. I'll look that up and get back to you, but I want to say it's in the spring. I know it's when it's not too hot, but let me get back to you on that. Yeah. Well, it's something, I mean, I've always had my eye on the baton death march. It's always something I wanted to do. Uh, I think it's cool. And uh, I know there's different divisions you can, uh, you can get in. And I know one of our listeners, Craig, I know he's done it uh, a time or two. And, uh, you know, you can go the heavy, heavy division and the light division and, you know, no, no ruck whatsoever division, um, and, and stuff. So March 19th. March, yeah. March 19th. So you, better, you better start training. Yeah. We, we should set it for like 2024. <laughs> we should set it for like 2024. You know, that's, that's what we're going to do. You know, listeners, you know, 
hold us to account. It's plenty of time to plan. That's a year out. I think the three of us could figure out how to get in the same place at the same time. And we probably have a really good time. We could probably put together a couple of teams. You know, I'd have to look at the divisions. Yeah. But that, that'd be a lot of fun. We get T-shirts and everything. We get T-shirts made. Yeah. The C3 team. And that's right after uh, And that's right after we come back from Cancun. Yeah, it'd be great, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds good. As, as they send out the search and rescue team to go get all three members of C3 that uh, are still on the baton death march. <laughs> no, y'all be okay. It's only a week. Speaking paper. of which, you know, we, we've been pressuring Luke, so Josh and I – uh, so, you know, we have these Apple Watches and stuff, and it's pretty cool because if you have the fitness stuff and you use it to track your fitness, you can share. And it's actually pretty cool because uh, I get to see what Josh does every day. Dude, and I get, I have to admit, okay, now, I granted, you're always running around and, and doing things or whatever, but you burn a lot of calories a day, man. Like, you're moving a lot, which is pretty impressive because if you if you – and for those that, are, that, that have the Apple Watch and do the share, you can go look at it and it shows you – you know, I can basically see how far he went, how many calories he's burned, what his goals are. We both have the same goals, and and they're very low, so we can make sure we hit them every day. Uh, but certain days that, that I don't do a whole – because I work from home, and I sit at a desk a lot of times, and I try to get up every 10, 15 minutes and walk around. But I tell you what, I mean, Josh, you 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 hit like 1,200 calories a day in movement like every single day. It's impressive. Yeah, man. I'm trying to stay moving like a shark these days. If, I'm, if I quit moving, I'll die. Uh, he puts it on his dog. So uh, – <laughs> well, that's, that's, that's true. I mean, I, you know, I get, you know, I get the dog out in the morning, um, cause he needs it and he, he enjoys it. So, so know, look at like today, like too. today I went to the gym, I worked out, I worked out for over an hour lifting weights. I'm at 89% of my goal, 671 calories out of 750. Josh is at 154% of his goal, 750. He's at 1155 cal- or yeah, 1155 calories. Unreal. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, I got up this morning and hit the gym, you know, before breakfast, before anything. Um, I've been, you know, making sure that trying to stay on, uh, stay on top of that. And then, uh, like I said, man, you know, it's just being on your feet all day, you know, off and on. And then, yeah, I think the gym in the morning really helps, uh, you know, but back home it's, you know, I'm taking the dog for a walk at, you know, in the morning and at night, uh, for the most part. So that's, like 4.2, 4.3 miles a day, just walking the dog, right? That doesn't include, you know, whatever workout I'm doing, you know, during the day. So, yeah, Dude. just get moved, man. I can see, I, you know, and at first I was concerned about weight, right? I was looking at the scale like, man, I needed to come off. I needed to come off. But, I, you know, I've also, I've been trying to get my body weight and protein, you know, during the day and, uh, you know, trying to, uh, trying to limit, uh, grams of fat and, you know, stuff like that. I've noticed my weight has gone down a little bit, not as much as I thought it would have, but I dude, I've dropped like probably three inches off my waist, um, you know, in the last like that's awesome. five weeks. That's, so that's, that's really, really, you know, so now I'm not, so now I'm not, you know, so concerned about the weight and what the scale says. Now I'm just like, okay, I'm just keeping an eye on my, on my waist. Um, because, that's and I can tell that I've definitely put on a little bit of, uh, muscle so that's that's really fascinating that's really fascinating marie osmond so no i'm joking but it almost sounded like a an infomercial for uh because this this really (laughs) works it's dropped inches off my waist hey guess what if if you don't shove you know bear claws down your gut and you work out every day you lose weight (laughs) funny how that works no josh for real congratulations that's really good for you um 
But get this. So one of our one of our listeners, Chris, oh man, this guy. He's he's a he's a firefighter there in Lubbock, and the guy's just a picture of you know health. Like he, he's the kind of firefighter you want pulling you out of fire. You know what I'm saying? He could do it. And uh, this dude texts me the other day, and he's like, "Hey, that uh, twelve three thirty workout you do, um, I did that. It's pretty good." He's like, "You do it with a weighted vest, right?" And I'm like, "Man, f you, not yet." <laughs> yeah, let, let's compare ages there, Chris. What are you picking on the old man? It's like a How old is he? vest. Uh, I'm I'm not quite sure. I think he's either in his late 30s or early 40s, but he's got to be. But he he's he's just in really good shape. You know, you have to be if you take your job seriously as a firefighter. You know, you're training for an objective. You are getting your body ready not to look good with them show muscles. Uh, but man, I mean when you're working out, it's like, okay, I got to be this strong so I can, you know, not one function with how many ever hundred pounds of gear they have on them. Cause that stuff is, is heavy. And then also to pull somebody out of a, out of a fire, not let alone, you know, tearing down a ceiling or holding that giant ass hose and all that stuff. I mean, those guys are no joke and they should be no joke. Some of them are fat bodies, but are they hitting the equity benchmarks across the board with their hiring? I, Oh, well, that's important. That's extremely important. Our age. Yeah, our age is so, old. It's funny. It's funny you ask that, Roger. Um, you know, one of my uh, one of my neighbors, uh, longtime firefighter, uh, uh, Chuck, and, uh, you know, good, just a super, super good dude, you know, longtime firefighter here in the uh, in the area. And he uh, he recently left the fire department. Um, because of equity hires, because of diver- you know, the diversity hires in the firehouse. Um, he said the culture, you know, 100% changed. Uh, you, you know how we were, uh, you know, back in the military. Where, you know, I mean, you look at any platoon, you look at, you know, any pretty much any size element, and there was definitely, there was a mix, right? There was, you know, there was white folks, there was Hispanics, there was black people, right? And so it... It, 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 and it wasn't uncommon for us to sit around and joke with each other and tell very inappropriate jokes, you know, jokes that would get sure. you canceled now, um, you know, in a heartbeat. And he, you know, Chuck was telling me we were talking one, one evening out, out in the yard and uh, you know, he said the firehouse used to be like that. Right. It was just sit around. It was, you know, pranks on each other and, you know, making, you know, making jokes and, you know, inappropriate jokes and, and stuff like that. And he said, that's all gone now. Um, he said, now you have to watch your P's and Q's. You have to, you know, you can't pull, you can't joke around with each other. You can't do pranks on each other. Um, because he said flat out, it's gone woke. Um, and he said a lot of good firefighters, you know, within, within my area, he said, have left, uh, you know, it left the fire, left the fire departments entirely. Uh, and a lot of them are taking like, you know, uh, EMT jobs and, and stuff like that. Cause a lot of them are obviously, uh, EMT qualified. And uh, so I, I think not only are we, you know, looking at depleting our police, you know, forces around the country uh, because of this, our military is, uh, you know, obviously diluted. But the fire department says, uh, well, I'd be I'd be curious um, to know what, uh, you know, to, to hear Chris's thoughts on that, loop. you know, kind of is is he seeing that, you know, within his department or within his, you know, firefighter friend uh, circles and kind of what the temperature is. At his, should, uh, at his fire station. We should get both those guys on if we can and 
you know, just open up the topic and just let them kick it back and forth because I bet that would be a pretty good episode. Just uh, uh, people hearing about the the firefighter life and because he he tells me stories that are just fascinating and a lot of them don't have to do with fighting fires. It has to do with being a first responder, you know, and administering Narcan to guys who've overdosed and, and stuff like that. But yeah, a lot of folks, I guess they're in uh they're in North Carolina are leaving the fire department, going and shooting up electric stations. <laughs> <laughs> that's not funny and we're not we're hey, not man. accusing anybody you gotta, you gotta gotta have something to do i guess um <laughs> you know they're well they're transiting between here and uh washington state uh shooting up uh shooting up electric stations so I guess. i've had so many people and i now i know it's old news and roger and i kind of touched on it in episode 110 the last one Josh wasn't able to weigh in. I think we know more now uh, than we did before. And Roger, you were right, according to the Pentagon, at least. You were right about something you said last week. They were tracking it since it took off. Uh, you know, it's hard to know what to believe. But again, I've had a lot of people hit me up on uh, on text. And I'll, I'll give Rodney a quick shout out. He's like, look, if I was on social media, I would engage. But this dude literally is not on social media. So Rodney, you get a pass for... Uh, for uh, texting it and not messaging us on uh, Twitter, Facebook, or whatever. But yeah, Roger, I mean, I know we touched on it. It might be a topic that some people are tired of, but maybe we could kick it around again about the uh, the balloons and the stuff we're shooting out of the sky that we have no idea what it is. So the balloon plus three others. I mean, any follow-up thoughts since last week? Yeah, you know, before you give me too much credit, you know, that uh, IC is tracking this and this and that, then they come out and they're like, oh, yeah, so our $400,000 missile missed the balloon and is now laying in the bottom of, you know, Lake Huron um, because we're just not used to shooting targets that move that slow. I'm like, man, you know, that's something that I could have done without. You could have just not told me that and, and I would have felt a lot better about everything because they came out and they, they listed the city. Yeah, we tracked it. And, you know, again, I, I do believe there is a, a little bit of truth in, in what our opinions were last week about it. Uh, and I think the government just didn't want to respond to it. But, you know, at the end of the day, and, and I forget the exact terms again that, that Josh had used or the exact explanation, but there comes a point that, hey, look, once the cat's out of the bag, the cat's out of the bag. Make a statement, you know, be deliberate about it and then close the book and move on. And now they're talking about, you know, three or four that have been shot down. And now they're not even sure. They think, well, hey, a couple of these might just actually be weather balloons. Uh, you know, because of the size and the movement and, and this and that. So I don't know if we're just shooting down everything now in, in the skies. Like, Hey, if it's up there, dude, we're shooting it. If you've got one of those inflatable gorillas on top of the car wash, cause they just opened last week, it's probably going to get nuked. I mean, it's, uh, it's the balloon almost festival in Albuquerque. That shit's been canceled homies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I ain't getting a no balloon. So, you know, I, it's just crazy because it's, it's the sign of this administration. They are so reactive and it's not even like an immediate reaction. It's like, okay, prod, 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 prod. Now people, everybody gets fed up. No, okay, now we just got a knee jerk and we're just going to shoot everything down. Oh, uh, yeah, well, some of this stuff is, is you know, actually not a threat. Some of it's just like helium balloons from a birthday party. And, yeah, we're just firing around $400,000 missiles that apparently aren't capable of knocking down a, a uh, slow-moving object. So, dude, you know, the truth is always somewhere, somewhere there in the middle. I'll, I'll throw it over to, to, to Josh. I know he didn't really get a chance to speak on it last week, not being with us, but uh, now some more news has obviously come out. What's your thoughts on, you know, do you think the administration was truly tracking this from the beginning? 
you know, from the way it looks, we pulled up some Googling that, you know, balloons, weather balloons, I mean, there's like thousands of them in the, in the air all the time. So I don't know. What's your thoughts on it? So I think they, I think they were tracking it from the beginning. Um, I, I think they just didn't care. Uh, honestly, I, I, I think it was just incompetence um, and, uh, you know, in, indifference on, on their part because, you know, they, they obviously, they, they were tracking it. I mean, even NORAD came out and said, yeah, I mean, we, we knew the second that it left, you know, uh, you know, that it was over the Pacific, uh, you know, coming out of China, they knew about it. So whether now, whether the white house was briefed on it, who knows, right. I don't know what's in the, you know, in the, in the president's daily read book, um, or if he takes his briefings or if he's awake for his briefings, or if he knows that he's receiving a briefing, right. Um, cause who knows what Joe Biden's current mental, uh, faculties are and, and their capabilities, but it's just, the it, it had that civilian in Montana, not looked up and said, what is that? We would have never known about it. And that balloon would have been allowed to, tra- you know, traverse the country and make its way around the globe, you know, back to, you know, supposedly back to, uh, you know, the, the motherland and, <clears throat> You know, the whole time that is traversing the United States, it's that's fine. The administration is like, no, it's not a big deal. It's just a weather balloon like this happens all the time. You know, it's that Joe Biden comes out and is like, look, it's not a threat. Uh, Don't worry about it. So, okay, well, if it's not a threat, why did we shoot it down? Right. And now CNBC reported uh, on February 9th that they re- were able to recover pieces of it from, you know, the bottom of the Atlantic, uh, you know, where it was shot down at and that it has multiple antennas for signals collection on it. Right. That's what CNBC was reporting. And even Kirby came out and, and, and reported, yeah, it's got some intelligence collection capability on it. After Biden, you know, reassured us that it's not a threat. It's not a big deal. It's just a weather balloon. They're everywhere. This happens all the time. You're like, OK, well, which one is it? Right. You're either incompetent or you're lying. At this point, I can't chalk it up to, you know, to to line. It's just you're it's uh, you're just so incompetent. Um, and now you're just trying to cover it up, you know, with, you know, with, with your lies. Then they, you know, we had the one shot down over Alaska, uh, you know, however many days later that was, and it was like, oh, the, you know, they shot down, you know, an unidentified object It's you know, pilots are, you know, have supposedly, you know, reported back, uh, it looked like it was hovering. We couldn't see a discernible, you know, anything on it, you know, blah, blah. It's like, I guess it's just like, you know, the Goodyear blip with nothing on it, like just kind of, you know, suspended in midair. And, you know, we shot it down with a, with a $20 million missile. Um, you know, you're like, that was a great, great use of my tax dollars. It's a good thing. You know, it's a good thing to F 22, you know, doesn't have a, a chain gun on it. Um, you know, why don't we use that instead of, you know, a $20 million Raytheon missile? Um, and then we, you know, the shoot down over Lake Huron and the Pentagon comes out right after that. It was like, yeah, we're probably not going to be able to recover, you know, the, the one that we shot down over Alaska or the one that we shot down over Lake Huron. It's like, what? We can we can dig one up from the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, but we can't. But the Great Lake is just it, that's a bridge too far, right? 
supposedly now they're working on it. Now they're, well, we're attempting to recover it. It's like, come on. There's no video of it. There's no, and now you're like, oh, this is just too hard to recover. Hey, man, I've been to Alaska before. I'm stationed in Alaska. Like, give me a grid. Oh, we'll go do it, man. Hey, that's a C3. That's a baton death march right there. That'd be a great trip. It's just, I think the spy, I think those balloons are uh, prolific. Uh, I think they've been around for a while. Uh, it's just somebody finally saw one. Somebody brought it to the attention of the American people. And now the administration has to do something about it. And now I think they're overcompensating, you know, with these, you know, these shoot downs of these, you know, objects that, you know, nobody's ever going to see the light. Of, you know, it's not going to see the light of day because they completely botched the one that was real and that floated over the entire, you know, country. And so now they're over, you know, they're, they're basically just, you know, overdoing this part to show, Hey, we're, you know, we're, we're protecting the American people. And it's all, it's all Kabuki theater. It's wagging the dog. That's all it is. So that's my, that's my thought on Chinese spy balloons. No, no decision-making it's Josh got it in a nutshell. It's like you're either incompetent or incapable and I think they're they're just demonstrating incompetence because if you follow this story pretty close and it's been you know relatively quick news cycle on it, I mean, okay, so the reason we didn't shoot down the first one is the very reason we shot shot down the second, third, and fourth. It's just it doesn't make any sense, and there were a lot of rumors that we shot down one of our own balloons, uh, National Weather Service or something. I mean, and that disappeared real quick, so that tells me. That tells me, uh, well, okay, it's, it was probably true. And I'll tell you, when Corrine Jean-Pierre says, now I don't, Americans shouldn't panic, that's about the time I start panicking. It's like, wait, what? You don't know what it, you're not going to rule out like a no-joke interplanetary flying object? You're not going to rule that out? You're not going to rule that out. Incompetence, man, incompetence. So it's like Josh mentioned the PDB, the Presidential Daily Brief. Now, let's just say that they're telling the truth that and I, I, you know, now I think about it, I don't doubt it. We've got so much money wrapped up in the Intel uh, community. We've got so many sensors out there tracking so much stuff. But my faith is a little bit shaken on, you know, the process of filtering that into actual decision makers who can make decisions and, you know, it going all the way to the buck stops here sign on the on the president's desk. But. You know, so let's say we did track it since takeoff. You know, like Josh said with a PDB, I doubt that balloon taking off from that island or wherever it was, I doubt that made it into the PDB, right? It's something worth tracking. There's an intelligence requirement out there for it. But it's like, <laughs> and we all know how broke the IC is. I'm always railing on that to my colleagues and stuff, and they, they all agree. Did you hear that, D? They all agree because D's like, you're not talking about me. She always thinks I'm calling her out, man. I'm not. I'm saying the exact opposite. But again, I doubt that that made it into the PDB. But here's the question. When did it make it into the PDB? You know what I'm saying? I mean, probably not before it became a massive boondoggle boner by the administration. Then all of a sudden, we need to know everything about it. And the president needs to be briefed on it. It's just, this is so broken, man. It's just... (laughs) It's so broken, it's disheartening, and, you know, I don't know. Let me get this out of the way right now. So I looked up Hanlon's Razor. We're always talking about Hanlon's Razor on here. Hanlon's Razor states, and we're, we're often 
mangling the quote, but uh, <laughs> Hamlin's razor is never attribute to malice that which is adequately explained adequately explained by stupidity. That's malice and stupidity, but I, w- I would say incompetence could be substituted for stupidity. But I will attribute, Roger, a little bit of this to malice. Because if what Josh is saying is true, which I agree with, we're shooting all these stuff, all these things down now. For what reason? They everyone's come out and roundly admitted we didn't know what they were. You know, the three things we shot down, we didn't know what they were, but we shot them down anyway. Whether they presented a threat or not. And to me, that's a little bit malicious. Because all they're doing is demonstrating we are strong, we are strong. And what have we always said, man? You know, sunlight's the best disinfectant, dude. Just tell us the truth from the very beginning. You know, I would feel about the same now. Do you agree or disagree with with my feeling? I would feel about the same now if the administration just came out and said, we screwed this one up. Uh, We're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. We're going to adjust our radars. We're going to do the gobbledygook. We're going to do all this stuff. But yeah, we got this one wrong. I wouldn't be any more or less pissed off and disheartened than I am right now. Just tell me the truth. Tell me the truth. You screw up. I screw up. Everybody screws up. So, I mean, sunlight's the best disinfectant, right? Yeah, and and that's the thing. You would actually, and this is, you know, when you talk about trust and incompetence and this and that, I mean, look at his cabinet. Like, who in the president's cabinet actually instills some confidence in you? You know, and I go down the list here. It's definitely not Anthony Anthony Blinken. It's definitely not Janet Yellen. It's definitely not Lloyd Austin, Merrick Garland. Deb Hallen, you know, did you go down the list? Pete Buttigieg, Jennifer Granholm, like none of them established, you know, they, none of them give me any confidence. And this has been my argument. And and I don't know, maybe just you have so many diehards on both sides of the aisle that they just can't do this, but that's always been, you know, one of my go-tos to me, you would establish trust by saying, Hey, you know what guys, gals, we tried this and it didn't work. And we're going to adjust course, adjust our course. Uh, Hey, some balloons went up. Uh, we were tracking it. We weren't exactly sure, you know, and of course you do this after, uh, it's already been reported after the, the citizen found it and uh, reported on it or whatever, then you, you have to address it and you say, Hey, either we were tracking it and this is what's going on. Or you know what, like you said, no, we weren't tracking it. Uh, we're not usually used to tracking things this small with, uh, that move at this pace. We've, like you said, and I think the air force general came out right and said it that, Hey, we adjusted our radars. And, uh, you know, now we're tracking, you know, things of this nature, yada, yada, yada. People understand mistakes. And one thing as, you know, American people, we are very forgiving. We're very forgiving when they're honest mistakes and people come out and admit to them. We're not so forgiving when you have to pull it out of somebody and then just continue to lie over and over and over and over again. And I don't know which is worse. I don't know which is worse if, well, I think it might be a combination because you're talking about incompetence and lying. It's probably both. You know, not only are they incompetent, but they're lying about it. And you can't even tell a good lie. I mean, they could, you know, especially with stuff like that, especially with the first balloon, you could absolutely say, hey, we were tracking this thing from the minute it came off this island. We let it, you know, cover the, uh, you know, the U.S. airspace. We jammed it so it wasn't collecting anything. We wanted to see its capabilities. We shot it down and now we're going to go get it. Done. Enough said. It's over. 
Yep. And you can say that about the other ones. Or, hey, we took a look at these other, you know, these other balloons that are up there, these other flying objects. They really don't meet our criteria for threat. You know, probably some homegrown stuff, whatever it is. National Weather Service. I mean, I'm pretty sure you have to have, like, FAA license for anything. I mean, I have to have an FAA license for my, you know, two-pound drone that flies in my backyard. So I'm assuming, like, a 60-foot weather balloon. Like, who's the guy? Uh, what was his name uh, in L.A. that had the weather balloon? Or the balloons tied to his lawn chair and got up in like uh, like up to what was it like twenty five thirty thousand feet? I have to look his name up. I think. It was oh Walter. yeah, Walter. I remember that. Walter was like Larry Walter uh, was on the balloon. He actually flew into the, the pathway of like LAX or something like that and had to go in and tow him down. Here's the other thing. So you talk about the four hundred thousand dollar missile that we didn't just fire one; we had to fire another one. So it was two. So we can refuel a jet. At 35,000 feet, flying 300 knots, we don't have any way to, like, tether this thing and bring it back down? I mean, you know, I, I'm not positive. You know, I don't know all of our capabilities. And maybe some of it you're just not – it's not worth it, right? But, like, surely you have some capability to tether this thing and bring it down, right? I mean, it's just it, – no. it's mind-boggling to me, dude. No. We, we, we don't have uh, Larry Walter, Lawn Chair Larry. That's yeah. right. No. That was like in the 80s, wasn't it? Like late 70s, early 80s, something like that? I, I can't remember. Yeah, I can't remember when it was, but I do remember this story. Um, you're right. You think we would have tethered that thing, you know, brought it down so we could exploit it, you know, uh, reverse engineer, just see, you know, see what's what. Um, instead, we, you know, we we shot a $20 million missile at it to uh, 1982. Yeah, Roger was right. 1982. Well, you, talk, you know, Luke's talking about the incompetence, um, and I think, you know, there is, on, on full display right now is, you know, another piece of the administration's incompetence in, in Pete Buttigieg. Is there a more worthless person in this administration than, Pete, than, than Mayor Pete? Like, I mean, this guy is a complete only if disaster. They weren't you guys, the only, only thing if they were make yeah. 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 No, you're right. Right. I'm glad you brought him up because I actually wrote his name down for this episode because I don't want to cut you off, but it's the, I, I think what he doesn't realize is like his own incompetence is burying him in the Democratic Party. Because remember how it was like two years ago, right? Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete, he's the heir apparent to, to Joe Biden, right? And then you had all of his failures and I'll, I'll kick it back over to you, but when was the last time you've heard his name like being in succession for anything, running for president, being, you know, the next heir? Dude, that dude, his own incompetence has finally buried him just like Kamala's has buried hers. Yeah, no, 100 percent. I mean, even uh, Nina, I oh, mean, I can't remember her last name on, uh, on on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, even Nina Turner. I mean, one of the most hard <laughs> left. Would you start agreeing with her? <laughs> yes. I, dude, there for probably the last like two or three days. Um, like I was like, somebody has hijacked her Twitter account because I have had agree. I have agreed with like every tweet she's put out. And I was like, dude, we truly live in bizarre world right now. Um, like, you know, up is down, down is up, you know, cats and dogs living together, mass hysteria, uh, because she is, you know, she's dragging Pete Buttigieg over the coals and, you know, Luke typed it, even Ilhan Omar is dragging Pete Buttigieg over the coals for his incompetence, you know, and a lot of it, it you know, it started with, the ports, um, you know, uh, in COVID. And then it's, you know, it's just gone on, but like, dude, this latest disaster in East Palestine, Ohio is absolutely terrible. I mean, this is, this is worse. I think 
this is worse than Three Mile Island by far. Um, I mean, everybody, I'm sure everybody's tracking the train derailment uh, up there. And, you know, on, to, on February 3rd, that train derailed. And now they're saying, uh, based on some residential security camera, like a ring camera or something like that, it looks like a wheel bearing went out, uh, which caused the, which led to the derailment. But have you guys seen some of the photos that have come out of there of the mushroom, of literally mushroom clouds, literally seen from space? You can see it from space. There's a sea of white clouds, and then there's this massive black circle, you know, over where East Palestine, Ohio is. Um, and the, I guess one of the cars or a couple of the cars, I forget, you know, I don't know how much, but it was carrying uh, vinyl chloride, uh, which is supposedly extremely toxic. You know, so this train derails and then I, I, I haven't really dug into the story yet because I've been preoccupied, but they either intentionally blow it up or it blows up um, and it has released a lot of toxins into the air. It's released a lot of toxins into the water. And Pete Buttigieg is busy on TV. What's he talking about? He's not talking about that. He's talking about how there's too many white construction workers. And you're like, bro, you you haven't been at a construction site near me in a while, I guess, because (laughs) there's not a whole lot of white dudes on a construction site these days. Not around me anyway. Um, you know, I don't know. Maybe there are if there's, you know, if there's unions involved or something. There's another reason, you know, so you can go hate on the unions. But, yeah, it, I don't know. Luke, have you uh, have you taken a look at the uh, the train derailment and what's going on in, uh, in East Palestine, Ohio? Uh, it's bad, man. Like, it's bad. But the government keeps telling people there's no reason to worry, which is automatically means you should worry. Um, yeah. And, uh, but yeah, man, looking at it, like this is going to have some long lasting, uh, detrimental, uh, effects to the, not only to, you know, that area right in there, but you know, all the, uh, tributaries that flow out of there into other major rivers and, and stuff, it's, it's going to have some pretty long-term impacts. Yeah. I don't think we're going to have to wait too long before we're seeing a bunch of commercials. Uh, were you exposed to this call this number? Were you exposed to this and have symptoms of that, this and that? Uh, call this number and you're entitled to billions of dollars in in damages. Yeah, you know, I have been following it. And to, you know, hey, D, I want you to listen real close right here because I'm not, uh, I, I'm actually saying something positive, not negative. So listen real close. So uh, D, and I want to address this, by the way, with you guys. Uh, we're really trying hard not to be black helicopter guys, but I'd like to address it. So I'm going to imitate D and uh, she texted us and she's like, you know, we were talking about the, the balloons and stuff. And she goes, what are they trying to distract us from? They're trying to distract us from Ohio. And I, and, and back then when she, when she said that I didn't, I wasn't even tracking that train derailment and she was so good on you D, but yeah, what were they, what <laughs> this is an aside, but what are they trying to distract us from with all this stuff? And I'll get into a glitch in the matrix here in a little while. Uh, Roger thinks everything's fine, which he's probably right. But the other night, Josh and I were going down the rabbit hole of maybe Elon Musk is right. This is all a simulation. And, you know, the code has reached a point where it needs to be debugged because things just don't seem right, right, you know, at the current moment. But yeah, Josh, I I am tracking it to answer your question. It uh, is truly amazing. Um, I... I'm not going to question, they, they said it was a controlled burn, 
of vinyl chloride and a and a laundry list of other chemicals that just sound bad. And it's like, you know, from a, a layman's point of view, I'm probably less than a layman on this. I'm like, was the was the best thing to do really set it on fire? I mean, I'm not gonna question the experts because you know, a lot of times people in the intel, you know, who aren't in the intel field will question a lot of things in the intel field. It's like, bro, you don't know what's going on. You have no idea what you're talking about. But to me, it's just like, bro, whoever decided that we should burn vinyl chloride, did they not understand that that like burning vinyl chloride creates phosgene gas, phosgene gas. Phosgene gas was the deadliest chemical weapon used on the battlefields of World War I. And they evacuated a town of, what, 5,000 people? You can't, I mean, Palestine, oh, Palestine or Palestine, however, I think the, and locals there say it Palestine. So I'll say Palestine. That's a watershed for the Ohio River. Okay, maybe that's why they decided that maybe we should burn this and send it up into the atmosphere where it can be, you know, diffused a little bit instead of letting it seep into the watershed. Because, hell, you lived around Maryland, uh, you see watershed signs everywhere, and bitch, you better not throw your Coca-Cola out the window because this is a watershed to the Chesapeake Bay, and you're going to poison fish. It's like, I don't know, was that a good call or not? Uh, boy, I... It, from a layman's term, from a layman's point of view, which is mine, it doesn't seem like it is, but I'm not going to second guess them. But Jesus, releasing phosgene gas again, I don't know how quick that dissipates. Maybe it's not as bad as, as it seems, but you know, the environmentalists sure are quiet on this. And you know, somebody I can't remember who I, who I was reading or listening to made a really good point about. Uh, you know, we were saying, well, how many tr train derailments are there a year? This is when we were talking about. Uh, you know, is the matrix glitching out? You know, Roger, quick on the Google Google machine, the Google machine, quickly pointed out, well, there's 1,700. There were 1,700 last year, train derailments. Okay, they don't all look like Palestine, right? There's probably minor train derailments and things like that, but man, 1,700, what were there the year before that and the year before that? Is that the baseline, 1,700? This seems like a lot, but if it is 1,700, well, doesn't that show you, hey, man, the infrastructure... It, maybe maybe we should take a look at that a little bit. You know, Joe's plan's not going to touch it. But back to infrastructure, it's like, boy, you know, when we were talking about that that pipeline that the bad body hated so much, you know, transferring chemicals and all that stuff via pipeline under the ground is far, far, far safer than by rail, especially if there's 1,700 derailments a year. So... I, I, you know, back to the thing, I think that this is going to have long-term health impacts that aren't even going to be noticed, not truly noticed until this is far out of the news year, two years from now. I saw one, one thing that really spooked me out and they were talking to this dorky comic book looking dude who raises foxes or he takes in foxes. Did you guys see that? That was spooky as hell because foxes are very, very sensitive to chemicals especially mm -hmm. exhaust from cars. And yeah. they were they were doing a story on this guy and his foxes. He's like, man, the foxes are acting weird. Look at this one right here. And he's holding this little fox. And to me, it looks normal because I don't, I'm not around foxes a lot. But he's like, take a look at it, compare it to that one. This fox's face was all puffy. They were showing the foxes and their little pins and they were like pacing back and forth and acting crazy. You could tell that they just, 
something's up. Oh, it was Tucker Carlson that was covering it. And he's like, hey, they called a canary in a coal mine for, for a reason. And if the foxes who are, you know, 20 miles away from that are feeling the effects and these things just want to get out of there, you can tell they want to run. And, you know, evacuating a town and then tell them they can go back and drink bottled water. I just don't think that's going to cut it. And yeah, man, man, my heart breaks for those people there because yeah, your, your environment is ruined. Your environment is ruined for years to come because of that. And it's like, I'm no environmentalist. You guys know that, but I am a con- conservationist. And I do know that that's, that's not right. You know, uh, setting, you know, vinyl chloride on fire and making it into phosgene gas and poisoning the literal air and then telling the people 48 hours later, however long it was, that they can go back. Don't worry. When you haven't even tested the water, it's just, it's irresponsible. It's broken. It's like, you know, who, who's, the, who's the EPA chief? You know, uh, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm, I'm still on the glitching out in the matrix thing. And I, I heard a thing today that said, uh, I think it was Ben Shapiro talking about it. It's like when when society when civilizations are reaching an inflection point, you get a lot of mass confusion. And uh, he listed a, a, a few uh, items in history, and I'm like, geez, maybe that's where we are. You know, I'm not calling end of end of days or anything, but yeah, a lot of stuff going on, Roger. I mean, a lot of stuff going on. It's not just this. It's not just the balloons. It's just one thing after the other, and. You know, your thoughts on the train derailment and then your thoughts on is this a distraction or is it just part of the bigger picture? Is it Ukraine? Is it the balloons? What is it? It's all a distraction. You know, I mean, the events that are happening are obviously happening. And some of these have happened yearly, annually. You know, the mistakes happen, accidents happen, tragedies happen, unfortunately. Uh, we just, the, the news doesn't report on them, they don't cover it. Uh, and when things like this happen, especially what's going on with the administration right now, because guess what we're talking about? We're talking about Palestine, Ohio, and not inflation that was at 6.4% and up a half a point month over month, right? We're not talking about buying oil back for a strategic oil reserve at $80 a barrel versus the $24 a barrel that, that Donald Trump uh, wanted to buy it back at. We're not talking about what's going on in Ukraine. We're not talking about the the Michigan state, uh, shooter, right. It's to take the, it's to change the narrative, right? You change the channel, you go to something else and it's easy for them to go to Palestine, Ohio, because it doesn't involve directly anybody from the administration. Now, Buttigieg should have gone out there and obviously directly talked about it. He didn't, but what you, the, the blame is lying on, I think it was Norfolk, uh, Southern or whatever the heck it is. And, uh, the Ohio EPA. So, Here's what's killing me, and, and I'll, I'll take this one piece right here. This is what bothers me, and, and this kind of dovetails under what you're saying. And, and I will steal a little bit of, I think it was Tucker Carlson that said it was either him or, or, or Waters. I don't trust any of them because these same people that are telling you for the last three years that you had to wear a mask to go hug grandma for a virus that I had a 99.98% chance of surviving or, or just getting sniffles, which I had and recovered, are the same ones telling you that, yeah, the, uh, you know, the mushroom cloud you saw in Palestine, it's good. You're, you're good to go home. They had, and I watched several interviews with the Ohio EPA. Her name is, uh, I don't know if she is like the chief or what. I know she's from, she represents Ohio EPA, uh, Tiffany Cavalek. And uh, there was a guy who was, uh, I think he was a formula chemist. 
And his whole response to this thing was, they're volatile organic organic compounds. Okay, volatile organic compounds. And he tried to make the comparison that it is no different than when you go pump gas at the gas station. Uh, the fumes that you get, it's in the same category. So you're you're fine. So I'm guessing. Well, one, I think huffing can can kill you, right? Uh, last last that I heard, or, or cause some brain damage. And uh, so, do you think the the concentration of the volatile organic compound that you get when you go pump gas at your Costco or Shell station, you think that's like similar to to the mushroom cloud that that Josh was was talking about in, in Palestine, Ohio? It, it's apples and oranges, right? We're not talking about like some residual stuff. Hey, man. I had a bale of hay and some hay blew off on the interstate. Well, okay, you know what? Blew off on the interstate. You live in the state of Arizona. Chances are, if you're in Yuma, it's probably not going to impact you as one bale of hay. A mushroom cloud that covers, you know, like six miles of the sky. Yeah, that's probably going to have a little bit more of an impact. I mean, it just does. It, it, you you see that and, and you hear that, and I'm like, I can't even believe what I'm hearing. I mean, because now you're just outright lying to me. I mean, in no no world, no man's world, no woman's world, does that even make sense? It doesn't pass a common sense test. And I, you know, I tell you, I posted this on the Twitter today that you were Tiffany Cavalek, or however you pronounce her name. If she is, if she is so sure, okay, and she she should pull a Mayor Adams. She should pull a Mayor Adams if she is so sure that it's safe out there. She should go to Palestine, Ohio, and she should camp out there for two weeks and live off local water and local food. You are so sure that it is that safe that her and her cabinet, if she's in fact chief, she may not be representative, whatever, but 10 members from that office, they are so certain, and it's a Republican state, okay? I think Dwine is the, uh, uh, is he the senator or governor? Anyway, it's a, it's a Republican state generally. So, you know, we're not picking left, right, or whatever, but these folks, like, hey, if you're so sure it's that safe and you're telling people to go home and you see people, I've heard, I've seen the interviews, so... You know, I get it. Some of it's like anecdotal and this and that, but you're starting to see people are like, hey, man, like there's dead fish all over the place here. My animals are dying. My animals are sick. I'm smelling something funky, you know, and unfortunately, a lot of these folks don't have the resources to go somewhere else and ride it out for six months. Hey, you say just move. You think you're going to be able to sell your house there anytime in the near future? All right. Yeah, we got some beachfront property for you in Chernobyl too, right? Or Three Mile. Hey, I hear Three Mile Island has plenty of beach for you to go hang out on. Right, they're not able to go anywhere, and to sit here and, and watch these and listen to these administrators tell you it's fine. They, Luke's, you know, spot on. It, it's going to be eight months. Hey, did you live within you know a hundred miles uh, radius of Palestine, Ohio, back during the train incident? Uh, and I think with this stuff here, they had it. Uh, they were talking about it, one of the the folks they were interviewing on Fox News. This is stuff, man. I think it's going to come out for 10, 20, 30, 40 years. But hey. Where are all the environmentalists? What about global warming or climate change or any of that stuff? Because it's a distraction, right? Because it's not something that can be blamed on the administration. And like Josh just texted, hey, Michigan State shooting? Out of the news already. Hey, it, 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 didn't, it didn't fit their narrative of uh, the assault weapons ban, right? Because, it, yeah, it was a pistol. Oh, and by the way... Um, the guy already had a gun charge and it was a felony offense for him to even own a gun. So again, we're not talking about something random here. And I know I'm jumping around a little bit, but it pisses me off because they sit here when you defund the police and we're talking about police and first responders and all this stuff. 
You sit here, you poop on them, you crush their reputations, you defund them, you're pulling resources away. Now, I don't know about this specific incident, but the problem is you pull those resources away. They can't dedicate it to folks who, hey, should be arrested, should be behind bars. You've got cash-free bail. You want to you weaken the gun laws out there, or you want to just weaken criminal laws. Well, they want to weaken every law except for the gun law. But even that, they let them go. They let them go. They let them out. He did like a year. He gets another weapon, and then they wonder, you know, he goes out and he, and he shoots some stuff up. You know, again, another crime, blows his own head off. You're like, man, how could this have happened? Like, seriously? They look at everything as, as an isolated incident. And that's not the case. There, it, there is a holistic approach to this, and it goes back to the administration where, hey, your policies are not working. Period. And I don't care if you're a Democrat. I don't care if you're a Republican. I know what I pay. Going back to talking about the, the, the State of the Union address, that was the big problem that I think they had. And, and even, you know, dude, the news today didn't. Did you guys even hear anything about inflation? It was a blip. Yeah, that's a bad right? one. It was a blip. Yeah. And, and that was part of the problem that we talked about before is that people have now become so desensitized to it. That it's just, hey man, this just remember it was it was berries. This is the new normal, man. One point two percent GDP is the new normal. That's just the way it is. And then Donald Trump came in, like him, love him, hate him, whatever. Hey, that wasn't the new normal. Okay, it did improve. Wages did improve. Prices did go down. Inflation was in check. And now with this administration, they're so far down this path. But you know, you've got folks, and we did a whole episode about his entire cabinet. Like this is a train wreck going into it. And I hate, I mean, I should pardon the pun, obviously, but, you know, it, it, it was a nightmare going into it. We did a complete episode on, on, on his cabinet. Like, hey, I'm telling you right now, I can look through history, recent past performance, and tell you that nothing good comes out of this. But most yeah. of the American people don't care. And you have incidents like this that are, that are a distraction. It, it, it actually pisses me off, Josh. It, it, it truly pisses me off because, you know, going back to, to what Luke said with the, the Ohio officials, hey, man, I just challenge him. I, I challenge him. Pack a tent. Pack your go bag. Go spend two weeks out there. Go camp along the uh, Ohio River. I'll tell you what. Go eat what you catch. Go drink what you pull out of that river. And when you do that for two weeks, then I'll believe you. Yeah, well, you, I mean, you know they're not going to do that, right? Um, anybody who who hasn't seen the uh, you know the episode, the, the series, uh, miniseries uh, on Chernobyl, uh, I believe it was Netflix uh, that did it. It really needs to really needs to watch it. Luke's you know Luke brought it up a, a, a long time ago um, on which one HBO HBO yeah yeah yeah. Um, you know Luke brought it up and talked about it a long time ago. I went and watched it. It's fantastic. But it's exactly what is happening now. There is a disaster. I, I mean, just an unmitigated disaster of epic proportions. And the entire time, people are like, ah, man, I don't know about this. And the entire time, the government's like, no, it's fine. It's safe. You're going to – it's okay, right? And until, until it, it, you know, it finally got so big and got so bad that they couldn't, you know, they couldn't hide it anymore. First, they tried to hide it from their people. Then they tried to hide it from the world. And it was just, uh, you know, it, they, they couldn't any longer. Um, 
you know, we, and we've talked about this numerous times. I really don't, I don't want to be a black helicopter guy. Like I really don't, but man, the government makes it really hard, man. They make it really, really hard when you have everything that's going on right now. And, uh, you know, I'm going to add on, have you, you know, you guys seen the, uh, the Google pre-bunking uh, articles that have come out, uh, especially about what they're doing in Europe right now. They're, so Google, you guys can uh, you guys can look it up while I'm talking about it. So Google is now going to make an effort to start pushing. They're calling it pre-bunking, um, and it's quote to educate people about misinform online misinformation. Right. And how to spot it and how to, you know, do this. And you're like, hmm, that's uh, that sounds kind of ominous. Right. We're pre-bunking things. Uh, but it's very benign because no, 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 no. We're just going to show you how to spot misinformation. Not, you know, we're not going to go ahead and, you know, actually talk about things that are already out there. Uh, it's. It, again, it, it, it seems benign, uh, you know, on on the surface, but. It seems sinister, you know, once you really start thinking about it and how they're going to do that uh, and the ways that they could do that to uh, to influence people. You know, Michigan State shooting already out of the news. Um, you know what Roger laid out. He was already a felon, shouldn't own a gun. And he was a wrong skin tone. And he didn't use a uh, and he didn't use an AR. If you go back, take a look at food plant uh, fires in 2022. And then, you know, the couple that have happened in 2023 and it's not isolated to an area, much like, you know, much like people attacking substations, electrical substations. You know, it's happened in North Carolina and Washington State and one other. But you go back in 2022, food plant facilities and whether and this is, you know, whether there was food stored there, uh, it was a fertilizer plant. Or it was actually like a food manufacturing facility, you know, like a Tyson's chicken um, or something or a chicken farm, Uh, you know, and we're talking about in Illinois, Louisiana, Washington, North Carolina, Wisconsin, Vermont, Oregon, Arkansas, Pennsylvania, uh, Maine, Arizona, Texas, New Hampshire, Idaho, California, just to name a few, literally has been, right, all these fires are starting. And they're telling you, like, no, there's no concerted effort. This is not something more sinister. This is just coincidence. That's what the government's telling us. And if the government had a track record that was impeccable and their integrity was beyond reproach, then maybe I'd be inclined to believe them. But based on the fact that the government has lied Year over year, just like inflation has, you know, risen year over year, it's hard to believe them. It's hard to believe what they say, anything they say. The government can come out and tell me today, water is wet, and I'm going to have to go check that. Like, I'm going to, I'm like, well, you know what? I don't know. I'm, I'm going to have to go research the research on that because I just don't believe anything you tell me. I don't, and that's really not, it's not good. It is not good when the American populace, you know, writ large starts questioning the, uh, you know, what they're being told and and stuff. I mean, it is good in a way, but man, this is not where we need to be. Not right now, especially when we're, you know, divided and as as we have been. Um, I don't know what needs to happen 
uh, I don't know, you know, at what level uh, it, it needs to happen at to kind of hit the reset button. Um, if there is a reset button, if there is anything to, you know, to, uh, to reset, unfortunately, I think it's going to take a, uh, I think it's going to take a nine 11 type event. Um, and even then, I don't know if that would do it, uh, because there's just so much going on that just doesn't make sense. There's no sense to it. And there doesn't seem to be anyone in charge that, you know, it's like, Hey, yep. A lot of craziness going on right now, but there's a steady hand at the wheel. Um, and, and, you know, and we have it, it's going to be okay. You know, we we're, we're taking care of business. There's nobody doing that right now and it should be the government, uh, but it's not. And so it's very worrisome. We're, um, I don't know, Luke, I think the next, uh, I, I think the near future is fraught with peril and, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in some treacherous waters right now. So yeah, doesn't, that's doesn't my, uh, to, that's my thoughts on the, you know, is there a glitch in the matrix? Doesn't, doesn't seem to be a lot of good news out here, but I, Roger, I saw your hand up a second ago. What, what'd you got? I was actually going to joke with Josh when he said he didn't want to believe what the government was putting out there. I was like, hey, well, you know what? Uh, Google's got this new thing called pre-bunking where they're going to release videos, short videos, <laughs> that's going to show you how to debunk info. And I guarantee these short videos, right, it, it's supposed to be on YouTube, Facebook, and TikTok. TikTok, go imagine that. Uh, and they're going to do this in India as well. And I guarantee what's going to be hyperlinked in there is like www.cdc.org. www.whitehouse.gov right uh, that's that's going to be their pre-bunking okay so here here's another little glitch in the matrix that's going on it's like all this weird stuff is is happening it's like d who i who i constantly make fun of obviously in these uh in these podcasts just texted uh, our little group and said we just had a meteor hit (laughs) one of our little towns down here she lives in the rio grande valley and it's like what the hell is going on Man, that kind of broke my train of thought a little bit. So we got, Cla- you know, you know the world is is breaking up when uh, Josh, a.k.a. Klaus Schwab, is talking about the Great Reset on uh, C3. But now I, I get you, Josh. I understand what you're saying. Um, so, Roger, I heard something interesting about inflation today. And I, it hadn't occurred to me. Uh, and you tell me if, if, I mean, you tell me if this is totally off base. I mean, inflation... Boy, I mean, we, we've been talking about it for a long time. We're going to stop beating that dead horse. That horse has been dead for a long time that we called this a long time ago, right? But the inflation numbers were released in, what was it, 6.4 north-south, 6.4 year yeah, over 6. year? 6.4. Okay, so yep. 6.4 year over year. Now, what, what does that actually mean? That means it's 6.4 more than it was in January of 2022. So what that means is that it's compounded on the 7.2 or whatever it was in January 2022. I think a lot of people don't realize that. And the way the White House is trying to sell it is, oh, no, 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 it's better. See, because it was 7.2 in 2022, and it's only 6.4 now. No, no, that's that's 13.6 since the year before that. That is... When I put it into that context, I'm like, hell, I wasn't even thinking about that because they've even got me thinking, oh, well, at least it's not as high as last time. No, wrong. No. Year over year. It's year over year. And it's and like, it's I, even worse with this one because now, because what the game that the administration was playing was they were trying to play month to month 
inflation. Okay. So, hey, inflation didn't go up from November to December. Okay. It was still up year over year, but it didn't go up from November to December. Well, that actually went up half a point too. And oh, by the way, if you take that 0.5, you multiply it through the year, guess what? You're at an annual uh, rate of 6%. And like you said, when you look at it year over year, over the course of the last two years, you're at 13 some odd percent. And here's the other thing. Here's the other thing that people don't realize, right? Here's what's really going to blow your mind. You know what inflation does not include? Yep. Energy and food prices because energy right. and food tends to be extremely volatile. It's not a fair indicator, right, to, to, to throw that in there because it can really skew the numbers month to month. But we have had high food and fuel prices uh, for the entire two years that it's higher than the 13%. Yeah. And this is what scares me. Excuse me. This is what scares me about the whole thing is that, not scares me, but it's it's something to keep in mind is that, you know, you'll notice things every now and then at the grocery store that will go down in price. And it'll go down significantly over a short amount of time. And believe it or not, what I noticed over the past week, at least where I live, it's probably not the same everywhere else, so this is purely anecdotal, is the price of actual chicken has gone down, has, has gone down to what I would consider now to be a reasonable level. What I, you know, if, if I walked into the store two years ago and saw chicken at that price, I'd be like, oh, whoa, whoa, what's happened? But now it's become baseline. So now that it dropped, you know, down to a dollar or down, down a dollar, it's like, oh, that, well, that's good. And that's what, what alarms me about this whole, but yet egg prices are still up, which it's like, okay, well, I understand there's a difference between chicken farms and egg farms. I get that. But what bothers me is how quickly prices could come down from the baseline of what we're used to now. And then the administration taking all the credit for that. You know, like, like, they, like they've taken credit for the gas prices coming down so much. They're down so much from where they were last year. And it's like, poof, well, they ain't down that much. You know what I'm saying? I mean, because our baseline has now been established. And that's one of the things I was thinking while I was driving today was like, boy, you know, when, when, you know, year over year, you know, since uh, January 2021, uh, basically you're paying 13.6% more for, you know, the CPI core price or core price index or consumer CPI consumer it's consumer okay so it's consumer price index you're paying 13.6 more that's not including food and oil or petroleum products i mean good grief that's the baseline now so if we go down 6% lower it's going to seem like we're paying a lot less but it's never going to get back down to what it was in 2021 and you know the administration. I think it was. I think it was. I think it was KJP that was saying, "Well, you got to look at." <laughs> it's proving a negative. She's like, "Well, wages have gone down, right?" That's that's another thing that the report showed is wages have actually are starting to wane a little bit. They're starting to go down, even though unemployment is quote unquote low. Wages are are shrinking. And she's like, "Well, that's a proof. That's proof that it's working. That's proof that that Joe Biden's plan is working." It's like, "Well, wait." But if wages went up, you would also say that's proof that Joe Biden's plan is working. So that it's it's a it's a false positive. It's not logical. It's it's uh, we're we're not in a good place economically, Roger. I mean, I, I do think we'll come out of it. But I think we said two episodes ago, uh, one oh nine, that just just leave it the hell alone and let it you know let it let it heal itself instead of injecting you know how many trillion a trillion dollars 
into the economy with this Inflation Reduction Act, which is really a green energy plan. Uh, but I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just found that fascinating with the inflation. And, you know, Roger, we've got the debt ceiling fight coming up, uh, too, which we're, we're calling it now. Was that happen this late this spring, early summer? Uh, yeah, they're saying between, well, Janet Yellen is saying between July and September. Janet Yellen, F, F her. But, okay, so the debt ceiling has got to be increased. And just give the audience a quick rundown if they don't know what happens if it's not increased and we default on the debt. So we basically, and we, we already had one, uh, so we have a bond status, right? And basically, it's just like anything else that you go out there, your credit card, your credit rating, or whatever. It's how much risk is involved. Like, do you really want to throw all your retirement money into the Bank of Nigeria, okay? Um, or, you know, some other, you know, a, a Cuba or a Russia or something like that, because you could lose money. It's very volatile, right? And so the U.S. has been one of the safest one of the safest places to invest money. And we're talking about government to government, country to country, that type of stuff. And what happens is, you got to remember, and I don't even know the number off the top of my head, how many billions, hundreds of billions of dollars just interest, but you have a national debt limit that's set by Congress that you can't go over this amount. Uh, So it's money that's already been spent. Imagine that. Uh, But obviously, as interest goes, uh, it compounds on that. And the deficit isn't going down. The deficit is still increasing. Well, you have to increase that that debt limit. It's no different than your credit card payment, right? You have a credit card limit of $1,000. Uh, you're making the bare minimum payment, uh, but your interest with that continues to take it over your limit. So now you need $1,050. Right, right. But you're still using the credit card on a daily But you're still basis. using the credit card, Right. So that's been the argument with between the left and the right. And again, the right being the conservatives, or the GOP Republicans, they they are no fiscal conservatives. Okay, I, <laughs> fiscal conservatism has been dead for for many, many, many years. Uh, but that is one when you specifically with the Freedom Caucus, it's like okay, hey, we can have the conversation about raising the debt limit, but we need to fix the deficit. So hey, if you can come up with a balanced budget. Understanding we need to pay our bills and interest is, is going to be there, uh, then okay, let's raise the debt limit so we can cover uh, you know, our liabilities and cover the payments we're supposed to make, but let's not spend any more money. Because the federal government just operates on, on a totally different wavelength than what the, the common person does. But even that's changing with all their laws, right? They want to go regulations. They want to come up with regulations with, hey, no more late fees. Uh, airlines that you know, charge the same price with every... Uh, for every seat, no matter more leg room, less. What ends up happening is all those fees get spread out among everybody and everybody will pay more. And at the end of the day, what it comes down to is fiscal and personal responsibility. Okay. The government, you have to elect folks that are going to be fiscally responsible. Republicans haven't done it. Democrats haven't done it. But as individuals, though we can't control everybody who's elected to Congress and this and that, you do have some control over your own personal finances and you just have to be fiscally responsible. And I think a lot of our listeners are, you know, and it's tough because no matter how much you plan, you still have to plan for the screw ups of the administration because we talked about inflation. Hey, you know what? We we removed, we didn't remove, uh, energy and foods removed from the inflation from the CPI. Do you know how high, do you know how much inflation counting food and fuel? 40 some odd percent. I think it's like 44 and 46% respectively increase. Okay. Now the administration likes to brag about wages. Wages have gone up. Okay. So wages go up 10%. 
Inflation is up 13%. Food, food and fuel uh, up 40 some odd percent. So how much of a pay cut did you really take? And I'll tell you right now, the only thing keeping this economy afloat is the job market. Which, you know, it's a double-edged sword because the hot job market, the hot labor market is also the reason why interest rates are, are, are going up. The reason why the job market is so hot is because inflation is high. And the people that were able to sit at home, you know, and live off a $1,200 check can no longer do that because that $1,200 no longer buys $1,200 worth of goods and services. That $1,200 now only buys, you know, $800 worth of goods and services. So now a lot of those folks are forced to come back into the job market. And that's why the labor market's so hot. And that really is, you know, we've talked about this over the last year. That really is the last pillar uh, that's keeping this whole thing up. Is, is the unemployment number. The unemployment number is historically low. The labor market is extremely hot. Wages are up. I'm seeing it in the sector that, that, that you know, we work in now. Uh, but once that tent pole falls, and it will fall, uh, you know what? That's when you start to get the, the economy crashing, you know, because now you're talking about multiple sectors. You're already seeing interest rates up, inflation's up, energy's up, right? Uh, food prices are up. Housing prices are up. I mean, mortgage rates now, thank God we all bought our houses when we did. I feel sorry for folks that are buying houses now. I mean, what's the mortgage rate now? Like 7.5%, give or take? It's, it's over double what it was uh, back in our day when we purchased. So, you know, it, the, the sad thing about it is they spin it and people buy it and people want to believe it. And it goes back to the State of the Union. I think more and more, I, I, it's... You talk about not wanting to be a black helicopter guy, and it, it's so hard not to be. One, we called Nord Stream. I'm just saying. I'm letting you know we called Nord Stream out the day it happened, right? What would we say? I mean, you oh, go yeah. check that out. We need to talk about that, too. Yeah, and all of a sudden, C3 is not so crazy. Uh, you know what? But it's – you can't tell me – and I'm not talking about midterms because midterms are what they are. It's local, we've talked about that before, whatever – you can't tell me that what's Biden's approval rating now, like 42%, something like that, 41%, whatever it is. Who were the 40%? Like, seriously, you cannot tell me that dude's got a 40 some odd percent approval rating. You will never convince me. And I'm not talking about cheating. Balance, I don't, I'm, not, I'm just talking about just look at where we're at. Look at the policies out there. You can't tell me he got 81 million votes. There's no way this guy should be electable in 2024 if he makes it, which I still don't think he will. There's just no way. I mean, when you look at this stuff and, and blame the GOP because they botched the midterms. I mean, numbers weren't in their favor, but uh, they botched the midterms regardless. And, and no, it's okay that we fixed it because we just reelected the same people that, you know, lost, uh, you know, the last election. So we'll just, we'll bring them back because surely they'll win the next one. Dude, it's, it's incredible because it's, it's gone beyond gaslighting now. It's to the point where... It's just straight out lying. Like, it doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what reality is. It doesn't matter what you feel. I'm going to tell you what's going on, and that's reality. And then, oh, by the way, Google is going to help with pre-bunking and go ahead and give us some links back to whitehouse.gov and back to CDC and back to FDA and USDA and any other organization you want, treasury.gov. And it's going to tell you that, you know what? It's really not that bad. What was the Wall Street Journal article today that came out saying, hey, you know what? You're really kind of hurt for money. Maybe you should skip breakfast. Like seriously, like that, that that's where we're at. <laughs> hey, hey, guess what? Not only will you save money because you're not buying $6 a dozen eggs, but Josh, guess what? You will lose weight. 
you will lose weight because you will cut out 33% of your caloric intake a day by skipping first breakfast. Dude, it's, it's incredible to me. It's, it's a clown world. And, you know, to, to, to close out the, um, to close out the, the Palestine, uh, story on here, uh, 11 days. I texted you guys the, uh, the actual CDC article, 11 days prior to the train derailment, the CDC updated the toxicological profile for vinyl chloride. No. I mean, hey, look, hey, look. Dude, I, I love you send okay. us a 293-page report and say, hey, check hey, this put it out. On the, uh, <laughs> put it on the blog. Put it on the website. Is that right? I mean, that's got to be fake news. I, I, bro, that's crazy, man. Look at, look at the article and then look at the date, January 2023. If you oh go to the CDC's website, it's God. 11 days prior to the train derailment. They updated the profile for vinyl chloride. I'm telling you, guys, I I don't know. Maybe I'll be the Alex Jones of C3. I don't know. But I'm telling you, there is it, – it's not – this shit is not coincidence anymore. A lot of this stuff, I'm telling you, it's not coincidence. Um, I don't have you – know, I might not have all the evidence to be able to prove it. But there's no way that this – like we – we like there is a glitch in the matrix. Uh, Elon Musk is right. Like it, it's it, it is this is bizarre. Um, now, as far as the debt ceiling goes, and we've gone back and forth on this on this show, and I, I you know I'd have to go back and check the game tape. Um, and there's multiple game tapes on it. Does our debt matter? Do we raise the debt ceiling? If it we're going to raise matter. the debt ceiling, it should matter, well, but it doesn't. Well, if we're going to raise the debt ceiling and if we're going to say well when we get to that ceiling again and we don't have any other choice and we're just going to raise it again why not just abolish it why not just abolish the debt ceiling and we just continue to borrow we just continue to borrow and spend right after that point does the debt really matter i don't know it's hard to be you know it's i'm not an economist um but what i do know is is that if you spend more than you take in, you're always going to be in the red. How do I know that? Because I passed first grade math. Um, and, and that's just, you know, it's like, oh, I don't have enough apples. I got to borrow an apple from Johnny Wright and carry the one over here. And stuff Like it's, if we're just going to keep raising the debt ceiling, then just eliminate the debt ceiling. And we can just have as much debt as we need to. Uh, me personally, I say don't raise don't raise the debt ceiling. Yes, that obviously has some significant impacts, right? When we don't you know, when we don't raise the debt ceiling, and you know we hit that the, the treasury binds, and that's that. It's probably going to trigger a, a fairly deep recession. Um, you know uh, when the interest isn't being paid on on bonds and and everything, but. At the end of the day, it, you know, it's one of the. I, I, I go back to, I go back to 2008 when you know, W, and the rest of the government decided they were going to bail out the banks. It was like, okay, well, what if you didn't bail out the banks? What would have happened? We would have probably had a. I mean, it would have been a deep recession, deeper than it was, right? And even as it was, it really hurt. But we would have come out stronger on the other end. Yep. 
if if we would have just went ahead and, and and suffered for a little while. And we've kind of talked, you know, we talk about this a lot. The American people aren't willing to do that. They're not willing to do that. We could crash China's economy in six months if the American people were willing to, you know, to to live a little, you know, austere. Um, what's up, Luke? <laughs> well, do you do you think it's a matter of? I, I agree with you, and you know, you guys have turned me around. Most Americans are wussies. I get it, but is it is it more of a matter of Americans don't want to deal with it, or the politicians know that if the Americans have to deal with it, they will not vote for them again? The political fallout would be much too high for them to have to deal with it. Because I do believe, I mean, human beings, really, it's not just Americans. We're not genetically superior to, well, maybe we are, but human beings for the most part can deal with adversity very well. It's what we were evolved to do is deal and adapt to diversity or adversity. I mean, we, we adapt to every climate on the planet. We adapt to every single different type of anything that's thrown at us, man. There were Jaguars and there were saber tooth tigers back in the day. We dealt with that. We're still here. But like you said, I mean, if we would have bit the bullet right now, because that that disaster in 2000, 2007, 2008, I'm going to kick it back to you. I'm, I'm not on a diatribe here. Uh, kick it back to you. But take these points and give me your thoughts. The disaster was bad. Man, it was bad. Uh, real bad. Because everything was invested in those, you know, subprime, not everything, but the subprime was part of what everything was invested in. Everybody was betting on it and betting on that bet and betting on another one. And the synthetic CDOs, collateralized debt obligations, it was bad. Everything should have fallen apart, but it didn't. We propped it up because it's like, well, we can't have Americans suffering for 12 to 15 years because I'm telling you, if they would have just let that play out, I'm with you 100%. They should have let it play out. People should have been stuck. They should have been pissed. It should have been like we have really somebody has really screwed up and somebody's going to need to burn or hang for this. The system might have changed and we would just now be coming out of it. But to your point, I mean, seriously, it's 2023. We would just now be coming out of it. And, you know, people would be kind of getting along with their lives again. And kids now, you know, kids nowadays, kids, they'd be the depression kids, you know, and they would be as tough as our grandparents. You know, I, I, I agree that's what they needed. But back to my original thing, do you think that Americans don't want to deal with it? And they don't. I don't want to deal with it. Or do you think it's the politicians, the people at the levers of power who are like, no, we need to stay in power and we can't have people suffering too long? You know, I mean, do you, do you understand what I'm asking? I mean, make it clear there. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're I completely understand what you're asking. And the answer is both. The answer is the American uh, the American people don't want to deal with it. They don't want to tolerate it. And politicians damn sure don't want anything that is going to jeopardize their next campaign. Right. That they're going to be, you know, they're going to be held to the fire. Um, that's why a number of politicians you know, continue to straddle the fence uh, on, you know, a lot of the issues that we care about uh, because they don't want to they don't want to take a stance. Um, you know, I, and again, I think I and, I'll, you know, I, I would not want to deal with that personally. Like, I, you know, I like my creature comforts. I like being able to set my thermostat, you know, at, at 68 degrees or 70 degrees, right, during the summer. I like being able to, you know, I like my heat. I like my, you know, I like to be able to go out to eat when I want to. Um, you know, 
I enjoy all those things too. But, you know, I, I look at it and yeah, our kids would have been the depression kids and it would have hurt them. But like you said, man, they would have been tough. They would have been a lot tougher. And I think, I don't know that we would have had this wokeness uh, that we have because people really wouldn't have cared about anybody's pronouns. It would have been like, Hey man, I'm trying to figure out where my next meal is coming from. I, I, I don't have time to worry about your feelings or, you know, your, your truth, you know, as, as these clowns call it. Why? Because I'm getting on a train and I'm headed West, you know, to, to go find some work. Uh, so I, I, I think we would have been a lot better. And I think, you know, I think now is the time we either just either raise the debt ceiling, don't raise the debt ceiling or abolish it. If we're going to raise it, just abolish it because then it doesn't mean anything. Right. And you're, you know, and, and Roger's right. It's, we have to fix the spending and that has to be, it's not going to pass, but it has to be, you know, it has to be there. We have to have a balanced budget, social security and, Medicaid, those are two of the biggest drivers of debt. We have to fix those. They have to be reformed. I was very, you know, I was adamant. I was, you know, like, hey, this is, you know, this is not right. When they looked at the the military retirement, all right, you do 20 years, you get 50%, right? They had to come back in and eventually they looked, they were like, hey, like we can't sustain that retirement plan, you know, in the foreseeable future. It's just, it's not sustainable. So we have to, we have to, you know, redo it, reform it, revamp it. And they did with the blended retirement system for the military, which again, you know, Hey, your grandfathered in, this is for people who are just joining. Right. So you don't have to worry about it. And we have to do the same thing for social security, Medicaid. Hey, it's not going to affect the people on it right now. It's not going to affect, you know, maybe that affect the people who have, you know, spent the last, you know, X number of years paying into it. But hey, guess what? If you, you know, come this date, if you are not paying into it, this is your new plan. Right. Um, because the way it is now, we're paying money right now. You and I, the three of us are paying money that they're using to pay our parents and our grandparents. Right. And they're hoping that there's going to be money in it when we get to that age for them to be able to pay us. Now, I think they arrested Bernie Madoff for this very thing, right? It's somewhat of a Ponzi scheme, but it's legal because they do it, right? It's illegal when you do it with somebody else's money. Let me let me ask let me say this though. I mean, the the figures I've looked at, and correct me if I'm wrong, it's not us. I, I get you Ponzi scheme, and I'm not saying you're wrong. You're right. That's exactly what it is. But we're play we're playing with money now that if I if the last time I read it, it was probably five, six years ago. We're playing playing with money now to pay our parents, you know, people in their 70s and approaching 80s, based on our C3 and the listeners, based on our, if you're in our age demographic, our grandkids are paying that. It it all goes up back to that debt. Oh, we're gonna pay it back someday, right? Someday, someday, someday. The system's been insolvent for quite some time. And it's like, here's, here's the scary part, Josh, and then you kick it to Roger because I, I, I've talked too much. So here's the scary part is when you start looking at birth rates, right? What happens when the birth rate starts to invert? 
uh, as it has, because you had the boomers and now, you know, basically the younger generation, the workers are paying for their benefits, which I don't really have a problem with. It should be the way it was set up was, well, you pay into the system and you will eventually get your money back because it's been invested the right way and, you know, government backed securities and all that kind of stuff. But what, what the bottom line is, is you've got a smaller population now paying for a larger population's benefits. And from what I'm seeing now, we, Roger and I discussed it a little bit last week, was, or is, we're seeing a much lower birth rate and much, uh, many more kids who are in their 20s now saying, well, we're just never going to have kids. And if we do, we might have one, but that's someday. So the population gets even thinner. You know, the workers get even thinner to pay our benefits. So that's not a rosy picture either, right? No, not at all. And uh, and that's a great point to uh, to bring up. You know, I mean, we we talked about China's declining birth rate and a lot of that attributed to their one one child policy, but we have it as well. So I mean, between two thousand seven and twenty twenty, the uh, you know the birth rate in the United States declined from two point twelve to one point six four. Right, that's that's significant. And, and, you know, part of it is due, like, you know, like you said, people are choosing to have kids later in life or they're choosing not to have, you know, kids at all. Um, you know, people are choosing to, you know, uh, you know, not have kids for, for silly reasons. We just had, you know, you just had Chelsea Handler, you know, that low rent bottom of my shoe, you know, piece of garbage come out and talk about how awesome it was, you know, that she didn't have kids. It's like, well, you could have had kids, but you murdered three of them, you know, before they were born. Did you uh, see, because did you're, you see what she put on? Did you see it? I just, I, I, should, I saw a very brief clip. I didn't you see should go like, watch what it. she had. On. You should go watch it because it's one of the saddest things you'll ever see. I mean, it is sad. It's so sad. It's like, it almost seems like satire, but it's like, Oh my God, she's serious. And she's pathetic. It's, it's, yeah. it's horrible. She's she's truly a garbage human being, um, and the world would just simply be better off without her. Uh, but she's like, oh, I don't have kids. I've never had kids. Well, well, you did, but you again, but you murdered them. So, I, you know, we the birth rate is is declining. We do have an issue, and Elon Musk is you know he's tweeted about this a few times, um, and, and people need to pay attention to those alarm bells. Um, the U.S. government has to get the spending under control. It has to happen. They can't continue to, you know, spend more than they take in. And Biden, you know, getting ready to to raise taxes. Um, you know, he says, you know, nobody making less than four hundred k is going to pay quote a penny more in taxes. And we all know that's a lie. We all know that's a lie. Um, you know, most of us are, it's tax season right now. Most of us are doing our taxes. We got our, uh, you know, we got, we did our taxes, uh, uh, you know, last week and, uh, you know, we got, a, we got our tax bill and I'm pretty, I, I was pretty irate. I was pretty irate. I'm still, I'm still pretty, my, my ass is still pretty chapped over it. Um, you broke your drinking you, during the week rule. <laughs> dude, it was like, I, 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 I was super, I was big, sad and big, bad all at the same time. Um, uh, I'll tell you right now, if you do your, if you're listening to this and you do your taxes on a 1040 EZ, I better not hear you say shit about people paying their fair share. All right. Um, uh, uh, leave it at that. But, you know, you can't continue the taxation at the rate they're taxing. 
um, in, you know, at the rate they're spending. They, you just can't do it because eventually the debt will outgrow the GDP, um, you know, and, and, and what we can really absorb um, as a nation. And at some point, the debt has to be dealt with. Um, we may not have to deal with it. Shit, our kids may not have to deal with it. But our grandkids or their kids are going to have to deal with it. And I think they're going to have to deal with it in the form, you know, like our grandparents had to deal deal with it. Our great-grandparents may have to deal with it, you know, when you're talking about living through a depression. Um, and it's going to be a depression that will rival, you know, that, you know, of the uh, of the Dust Bowl um, and, and bread lines. Uh, so, I don't know. I'm a fan uh, of not raising the debt limit, but if you're going to raise the debt limit, just abolish it because then it really doesn't matter. And uh, with that, I'll turn it over to Luke. Uh, Real quick, Roger. So how would you feel yesterday or the day before if you were the executive producer of a film that was, I wouldn't say it was panned, but it wasn't very profitable. It was a film called White Noise about a train derailment it's a film that came out like how long ago? Three years ago. <laughs> it's called White Noise, and it's about a train derailment in Palestine, Ohio. How would you feel if you're that producer and you're seeing your residuals off of Netflix or wherever it's on? You're like, uh, how did I become rich overnight? What happened? Shut up! Are you know? serious? Oh yeah, I thought you were the one that told us about the movie White Noise. Oh no, no there's a was it was it the same city though? I know it was Ohio. Was I, it the I same city? Was, well, it might not have been the same city, but it's basically what happened. Yeah. Uh, how would you feel? I mean, yeah, it's it's the Matrix, bro. It's, it's, it's like the apart. cryptocurrency commercial where I woke up. I'm a millionaire. No, I'm not. I'm, I'm a millionaire. Done. You know, I'm yeah. done. I'm I'm the, I'm the new Alex Jones of C3 based off that right there. White noise. Look that's, 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 that's <laughs> yeah. Unbelievable. Just don't get a sued. So we got about 25 minutes or so here. I, I want to change the subject. And, and I'm going to throw this topic out there. Uh, so I'm, I'm kind of curious of uh, both y'all's takes on this thing. So we started a new series on, um, oh, heck, I think it was Paramount Plus or something like that. So have you guys seen Mayor of Kingstown? Are you guys watching that? Nod. I, I'm not, no. Okay. No, I heard it was really good, um, so, but I haven't started watching it yet. But I have. But that was like a month or two ago. I heard it was really good. So you need to start watching it. It is fantastic. It's been on our list. We just haven't done it because we got a lot of other shows that we watch or whatever. And uh, we're like, finally, you know, all of a sudden now you've got these midseason breaks because of the Super Bowl and and, and whatever else. And uh, there wasn't a whole lot on. None of our recorded shows were coming back on for another couple of weeks. It's like, hey, now's a good time to start this thing. We watch it. First night, we watch like three episodes. We're just binge watching now, and they're like 55-minute episodes apiece, which, by the way, Paramount Plus really pisses me off because you have to pay for it, and you still get commercials. So if I'm paying for it, why am I still getting commercials? But that's neither here nor there. You need to watch the, you need to watch the series, first of all. But what it, it's, it, it's about a prison town, okay? And I'm not going to spoil anything for you, so go watch it. It, it, it. it picks up from episode one. It's fantastic. But I want to talk about prison reform. Because as I watched that, and I used to live uh, in a small town, Lansing, Kansas, uh, another, you know, that's where Mike Vick uh, did some time out at the, the Fed pen. And, and they've got a same thing. They've got five or six pens right there all within a, a couple square miles of each other. And I know this is a generality because we don't, we're not really prepared to do a deep dive, but like how many prisoners, somebody, somebody gurgle, how many prisoners do we have in the U.S. right now? I mean, it's got to be oh how many God. hundreds of, of thousands of prisoners? Right. 
So across the country, you have X amount of prisoners, tens of thousands or whatever that number is. There has to be a better use for them. Okay, and I'm not trying to be mean about it or anything, but basically you have these folks, men and women, that stay in federal and state facilities that are given three square meals a day with zero, I I, I shouldn't say zero, very little contribution back to society. You know, I'll I'll throw it over to to Josh to kind of get his opinion on it, but no, what's up, Luke? How many? Okay, so this is Department of Justice, Ministry of Response. So this is World Prison Brief. Uh, prison population total, and this has got to be an estimate, right? There's no way, because people are coming in and out constantly. And this is a great sure. topic. I'm glad you brought it up. But prison population total, including pretrial detainees uh, and remand prisoners, is 1,675,400. Okay, and there is no way that's... I'd say that's on the low end, but there's your number. So a million and a half. That, that, that's actually incredible. That's more than what I thought. So you've got a million and a half people out there. Go ahead. Uh, but the capacity, the official capacity, is 2.1 million. So let's talk wow. risk, prison reform. Yeah. it's getting Well, I mean, you can't let them out, right? Because Kamala says if you let them out, then where am I going to get my cafeteria labor from? But along those lines, isn't there something that the inmates can do to give back to society? You know, back in the day, and again, unions got involved in this and that, but, you know, surely they can, especially local communities, right? Whether it's picking up trash. And in Kansas, we see that all the time. Like in Lansing, uh, dude, they're out there cutting the grass around the elementary schools and that type of stuff and picking up trash or whatever. But whether it be construction, and I'm not saying I get that out of the 1.6 million, 1.6 million aren't able to work, and yeah, there's going to be a percentage. I, I get all that. But I am certain there's a significant number, probably at a million, that can give back and be of some benefit to the community that they're there. Because otherwise, they're getting three hots in a cot. A lot of them get an education while they're there. And then, you know, some of them do drugs and whatever else, and, and whatever else goes on with prison. But isn't there some way as opposed to just letting them sit there and be dead weight that uh, we can, you know, not integrates the wrong term, but have something for them that they work within the local community, whatever it be uh, to, Hey, go build a school. Hey, you got a homeless population here in Phoenix. You should be responsible. You're going to be on a construction team. You're going to help build houses, right? Or apartment complexes or something like that. That way, when you go to prison for 20 years or 10 years or 15 years or five years, no matter how long it is, you're not just sitting there sucking up every taxpayer dollar uh, for your benefit, but hey, you're actually giving something back to the community. Now, granted, you probably don't want to give back to the community, but it's like, hey, you're staying here, you're incurring a debt, and by God, you're going to help pay it off. And you're going to help pay it off by improving our community. Uh, So, I don't know, Josh, you have anything like off the top of your head? You know, again, I know I'm not talking about work release programs, but something very similar, right? You'd have chain gangs and stuff like that. And I guess I'd have to look at the history. I'm, I'm sure unions had something to do with getting rid of chain gangs and that type of stuff. But there's got to be something there, right, that they can do to, to help give back or be a benefit. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, and 100% unions, well, it, it wasn't just unions that got rid of, you know, helped get rid of the chain gangs. Uh, we used to have chain gangs, uh, you know, back in uh, North Florida when I was a kid, and you'd see them out on the side of the road, you know, working, and you'd have a, you know, a deputy or corrections officer sitting on top of a horse with a shotgun, you know, and, uh, 
and, and, and working. So I think there, I think there are a, a, you know, a number of things that, that they could do while they're incarcerated to, uh, to get back to the community. You know, I mean, you could turn around and take a look at, you know, the civilian conservation Corps. you know, back in, uh, you know, after, what was that right after World War Two. Uh, um, you know, there's a, there's a number of, of jobs and tasks within the civil service, you know, that, that could be done and you could make it, it doesn't have to be, you know, you're not going to set them in an office or, or, or something like that. It's not going to be fun work, um, but it's going to be work. And at the same time, you know, I hate to say it, but at the same time, you have to, you have to figure out a way, not necessarily to compensate them, but you have to figure out a way to, you know, outside of the education. Right now they're getting education while they're in because they're, you know, they're locked down 23 hours a day, right? They don't get to, you know, they're really only, you know, outside for yard time and stuff like that. But they really need to learn a skill that, you know, we, there's a skills gap, you know, in the country. Micro talks about it all the time. They really need to learn a skill and then incentivize, you know, provide incentives to to businesses, to employers, to hire them, you know, after they're released. Um, now, obviously, that's a let's say it's an oversimplification, but I mean that you know it that briefs well, right? Um, the the implementation is there's a lot. Well, of, even even know, some type of like trade a, or apprenticeship program, right? Where hey, yeah, while yeah. you're here, you're going through this for you know, like if you've got a five year sentence, hey, we're going to send you here. You're going to learn to be a plumber. And oh, by God, when you get out, uh, this guy can hire you. You're going to have a job. You're going to pay taxes and hopefully stay out of prison again. Yeah, no, a hundred, yeah, a hundred percent. And so, I mean, I think there's a lot of opportunities there. I mean, there's, dude, there's, there's opportunities. Hey, guess what? The national parks are in disrepair, right? There is a number of, you know, things that need to be done in the national parks, just the, the routine trail maintenance, um, you know, that stuff has to be done. Like you said, picking up trash on the side of the highways. And it's not just that because there, it has to be more than just that. Because there's not a lot of jobs, other than unless you're going to go, you know, right on the back of a garbage truck, which is fine. It's a job, and you know, it's a it's an honest day's work. But you know, those are there's only so many jobs like that, you know, out there. And you know, walking down the side of the highway picking up trash is, you know, there's not a lot of not a lot of people hiring for that. Um, you know, once you once you get out of prison, so. <clears throat> I think there's a lot that can be done. I think there's a lot that needs to be done. I'm a little, I take a little bit of a different stance on prison reform. If you're going to take someone and, you know, you're going to incarcerate them for whatever they did for however many amount of years. Yes, they have to, you know, they have to pay that, pay that penance for their crime. But at the same time, you have to, you, you can't be a revolving door and the onus is on the system to make sure that it's not a revolving door. You have to provide them with some type of skill, some type of incentive to get back on the straight and narrow once they're released. If you don't give them a skill, but you can, you know, you kept them locked up for 20 years and you don't give them a skill, well, what do you expect them to do when you release them back out? You know, you right. provided them nothing. They still have to survive. They still have to eat, um, you know, and live. So I think there's a lot that can be done that would benefit both the community and the individual, you know, so they can succeed uh, you know, and, and stay on that, that angelic ascendancy, uh, after, uh, after their release. And it's on, you know, it's society needs to take a harder look at that. Oh, I, 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 there's some, I, you know, there's daylight in between me and some of the, you know, those on the right when it comes to, to prison reform and stuff. Um, you know, because I believe that and whatever, that's fine, but we really need to do a better job than we're currently doing. I agree. 
I agree with Josh. And on prison reform, put it to you this way. I think it would be easier to, to do prison reform or whatever you want to call it, justice reform, however, the, the entire process. I think it would be easier to transform that system than it would be the social welfare system. Uh, put it to you that way, uh, to start. Now, I may say some comments that, are, that, that could piss off some of our listeners here because I'm I like Josh. I take a little bit different tack when it comes to the prison system for a no- number of reasons. Uh, I've been kicking around for years the idea of writing a book uh, about the prison system and someone who's trapped in it. It'll be a fiction book, but it would be based on, you know, anecdotes and uh, research that I've done over the years, much like Michael Crichton used to do with his books. Not that I would ever compare myself to that dude, but it would be along that tack. But you know, keep your powder dry podcast. You know, I talked to those guys not too long ago. You know, I hope this doesn't piss you off too much. Some of the stuff I'm going to say, but at the end of the day, I think you might agree with me. Um, you know, I lived in a prison, what became a prison town, uh, you know, Amarillo, Texas got the Clements unit, which is a maximum security state facility. And a lot of jobs came into town. A lot of guys who uh, either didn't go to college, you know, my friends or whatever, and, you know, they were offering a lot of money. It was a state job. At first, it seemed like a great deal. So a lot of my friends, my close friends went out there to be prison guards. And brother, I am sitting here to tell you without a doubt, it changed them. It changed them. I, you know, and it wasn't just age. You know, I was a dumbass, snot-nosed college kid didn't know my ass from an elbow and they were getting a whole new education on what the human experience is really like. It changed them. Uh, we've all been uh, around and exposed to either prisons or detention facilities. And let me tell you right now, it desensitizes you very quickly. It almost teaches your brain at a subconscious level, the way they exist now that it's not that you treat them any different, but you almost see humans as less because you're seeing the worst of humanity. And it, it just makes a, someone a different person. And this is where I'm going to get to the part where, you know, and there, that, that's, that's a problem, right? Along, along what you guys are saying, there needs to be a reform so that prisons don't desensitize the guards to where, you know, they're just completely different people now. You know, it should be almost a constructive type environment. And believe me, anybody who knows me well, especially you guys, I'm not a touchy-feely kind of guy. There are people who are the slime of humanity that I've talked to -to face-to-face. And yeah, it's a good thing we have a Bill of Rights because I'm telling you, I know what this person did, and I would just as soon put a bullet through their head than let them walk the streets anymore. Okay, there are people like that in prison. But there are also people in prison who did less than what Brittany Griner did. And she is, you know, welcomed home as a hero, you know, marijuana charges and stuff for simple possession. There are people in state prisons around this country who are, who are in prison for simple possession. Whereas now the cops on the street at most States, if they see, you know, whatever it is, you know, a small amount of heroin, which could be used by five to six people, like all they do is dump it out, even though it's it's illegal in the state. They dump it out, no citation, no ticket, no nothing. They just dump it out because it's just marijuana. We're worried about fentanyl and meth and, and crack, right? Fentanyl and meth, basically. But back to the what's going to piss off some of the LE that, that may listen to this. One trend I've, I've been seeing is the pipeline into law enforcement, like a street cop, you know, a, a sheriff's deputy is straight through the being a prison guard. 
That's that's the I wouldn't say the bottom rung, but that that's where a lot of them start. They get there and they're like, "This is not for me. I need to go be a cop." And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. But you're getting a desensitized group to go straight into law enforcement. And it's because the prisons are messed up. They're not being run the way they need to be run, Uh, which I don't have all the solutions. I don't have all the answers, but I do know that they are set up to, you know, and I know every prison's different. Every state's different. There are city jails, county jails, state prisons, maximum, minimum. There's, there's all different levels of this stuff, but they're set up for the worst. When you're setting up a prison and designing a prison, you're setting up for the worst person. Now, afterwards, you can, you know, segregate certain populations and things like that. But everybody's treated basically the same. And that's where I, I kind of in line with you guys is I, the way I understand it. A lot of the prison system is privately run. Right. So there's an incentive to keep people in there. There's an incentive. You get paid per bed. You get paid per person that's in there. So it's in your best interest to have that thing as crowded as possible. You know, if you're getting paid per head by the state or the federal or whatever, the county, whatever, if it's privately run, if it's run by the county, believe me, it is not in your best interest to have as many people in there as possible because the sheriff's going to answer that to the taxpayer who is also the voter. So the first step is stop privatizing it. Stop privatizing it because that's one level removed from accountability. That's first thing. Second thing is more, more time spent on uh, reforming the actual person. Like Josh was saying, it's not just about work. It's about, you know, people screw up. I think, I think it is possible for people to reform, but like Josh said, like Roger said, there's got to be an incentive. What's the incentive? And I think a lot of it is just a symptom of our culture, a symptom of our society that that is a very, very, very heavy lift these days. You know, what is the incentive to go out and bust your ass? You know, be a good man. You know, you're 22 years old, you're in prison for, you know, selling drugs on the on the street corner or whatever, and you're making, I don't know, $1,200 a week as a drug dealer. But no, we're going to convince you to go out and bust your ass digging ditches or whatever to make half that amount. What's, what's the incentive? You know, plus you're considered a thug. If you're out there on the street corner, you get some street cred for that. What kind of street cred do you get for busting your ass in your mid-20s so that maybe you can make enough money to ask a nice girl to marry you and have a family and provide for that family? Dog, that's lame these days. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you know, Roger, you bring these things up that we could spend a whole episode on because this this uh, topic is really fascinating and it's a big problem. Uh but you bring these up when we have no time. I have no time to think about it. So I just have diarrhea of the mouth about it. Um, again, I'm not calling out any cops who started out in the prison system. I'm not doing that. But I think those cops might agree uh, that maybe that wasn't the best place to start out. You know, because I do believe that cops should have a little bit of a, a little, not, not street smarts is the wrong way to say it. But, you know, like we were talking about last week, rapport, common connection, things like that you know, a way of relating to a person as a human being. And if you're a prison guard at a maximum security, that becomes more difficult. So I've talked enough, Roger. Uh, that was a really good question, though. He went into Barbara Walters mode again, folks. I, I had another one, but I'll save it. to, to let you See, what happens is we started watching this series, and I'd had a couple drinks, and my wife had a couple drinks, and I start seeing this stuff. And obviously your perspective changes over – 
you know, especially as a young Joe, and both of you guys know how it is, and, and a lot of our, our audience, when you're 18, jumping out of airplanes and this and that, you're like, hey, screw them all. Just give them the needle, shoot them, execute them, whatever. And then as you get older and you actually start paying taxes, uh, and you get a little more sympathetic, you get a little empathetic, you're you're not so myopic or everything, you start seeing this like, man, there is, and this, you know, sounds inhumane, but there is a large pool of labor there. And, and Josh, both of you brought up a good point. It's, it's two-sided. It's one, giving back to the community. And I'm not meaning in a good way, but like paying your debt to society. But then there's also the inmate side uh, that, hey, you, you do have to have some type of reform there for the individual. And, and granted, not everybody can be saved, right? Some people are going to hell. Newsflash. It's just going to happen. Uh, but I have to believe out of the 1.6 million people estimated that are in there, maybe you save 500,000. Maybe you save a hundred thousand. Maybe you save fifty thousand. To some of these towns, I mean, it's huge, right? It's a huge number. And you know, and I think it's an interesting thing. And again, we're not going to deep dive into this yet. Maybe we'll do an episode on one day. But Luke, you hit on the head. There, there's so many different levels and layers to the prison system. It's just it, it's mind-boggling to me that these are things that can really be implemented on a local level. Local, probably being county, right? That's probably the lowest you could actually go to to. to implement anything like this to, to make it worthwhile and money wise and this and that, uh, as well as, you know, prison population is going to be there for, for an extended period of time. Uh, so we're not talking about like your local local cities or, or city jails or whatever, but, uh, it's just kind of amazing to me. And maybe they have, I mean, I've never really looked into it, but this should be a good, uh, as the British would say advertisement for uh, mayor of Kingstown. So, you know, maybe have a, have a couple glasses of bourbon put on mayors of Kingtown uh, or mayor of Kingstown. And then you'll figure out why I, uh, started going down this path. So I know we're running pretty close on our, on our limit here. Um, real quick for, I throw it to Josh, just want to give a couple shout outs. Uh, Joe, you know, it, it really is a lot of the same crew, a lot of the sort, you know, same core crew, we, but we do have a, a pretty decent following. We have a pretty good following. We don't necessarily interact with everybody because whatever reason people get, uh, they're busy doing things. They listen to us while they're commuting or, or what have you, but we do have a core group that interact with us, uh, that continue to listen Joe, Dan, Ginger Inferno. Hopefully he gets back to making flags. I'm trying to get him to make me a table, a uh, podcast table and uh, a table for my trailer. I just got to figure out how to get it out here uh, without paying you know, the ninth. One, I don't want to put it on a Pete Buttigieg train because uh, it'll probably never make it. It'll burn up somewhere in the middle of Texas. Um, you know, Ted, he always gives me some good feedback, you know, kind of surprised he continues to listen because uh, he's, uh, you know, pretty smart dude, probably smarter than all three of us combined. And, and he still finds interest in, in what we say. Uh, Gary, you know, he's always, Hey man, this and that, and some feedback. And then, and, and, uh, you know, I know he's going to be listening to this episode as well. Don't forget about his charity that we mentioned earlier. And, uh, Chris, so, you know, he was one of our er early episodes and he told me to tell you guys, screw you guys. He does not play his recruiting episode over and over again. That is not why we were at a thousand <laughs> plays in that. So, you know, it's kind of weird because there are a lot of folks there that continue to listen that, uh, one, I'm surprised that they listen. And it's also kind of weird when like folks that, you know, and folks that you're close with, uh, you know, continue to listen that like, Hey, they actually want to hear, uh, you know, what you have to say. So with that, you know, thanks everybody for listening to me. Um, I think we covered a lot here. So I'll kick it over to Josh for, uh, your final thoughts, brother. All right. Yeah, no, they, uh, you know, absolutely. Thank y'all for listening. As we always say, you know, your time is the most important thing you can give to us. Um, I had a lot of shout outs. I'm going to save those for next episode. Um, the one shout out I will do, uh, 
on February 11th, they, uh, you know, a friend, uh, a friend, uh, a guy that Luke and I uh, served with at, uh, at Fort Bragg passed away unexpectedly. Uh, Tom Sullivan, everybody knew him. Everybody called him Sully. Uh, just an absolute great human being. Uh, larger than life, uh, Sully always had a smile on his face, no matter how shitty the situation was. Uh, and, and, you know, Sully was that guy when he walked into a room, if you were feeling down, if you were upset, he would say something that would make you laugh and instantly make you feel better. Um, he was, a, you know, he had that, you know, as we all do, he had that 12 year old boy, you know, sense of humor. Um, and uh, probably one of my favorite Sully uh, memories is uh, we were at a party one night and Sully decided that he was going to pull his zipper down and he was going to walk around, you know, with, uh, you know, with some of that stuff that, uh, you know, hides behind that zipper, just kind of like hanging out. And he walked around like a nor- like it was just normal, you know, drinking a beer, hanging out, talking, chatting. And he would just wait for somebody to notice it. And, you know, he would be like, somebody would be like, oh, what are you doing, dude? He'd be like, he'd look down, he'd be like, oh, I sat in some gum, you know, and he would, ha ha, he was just, you know, this big bellicose laugh. And, uh, you know, and he would just go on to the next person to, you know, to, to, to torture them. Um, and so he's just a really good human being. He's going to be missed. And the world's a little poor uh, without him. So prayers, you know, for, for his family. Um, you know, he left behind a wife and, and kids. And, uh, you know, so keep, the, keep that family in your prayers. And uh, Tom, we'll miss you. And, uh, yeah, man, that's, uh, that's, that's all I got. Oh, Sully. He was a, he's truly one of a kind, wasn't he? He, he was one of the best interrogators I ever saw because even, even though he's one of those guys that he could see straight through you to what made you laugh, but he could also see your weaknesses. I mean, the guy could see straight through you and he could, if you pissed him off for whatever reason, he would say something that would cut anyone straight to the bone. And I, I don't know, I don't know. I don't know if that's an Irish trait. I don't know, but I got, I got to tell this one solely thing. Uh, we were about to go to Kosovo because we were going to get hip deep in hand grenade pins back when Kosovo was the only thing going. And we're at Fort Benning, and he busts into my room. He goes, let's go get a tattoo. And I was like, okay. Next question. What are you going to get? I don't know. And I got the dumbest tattoo ever, but I was like, Sully is this Irish dude with these giant forearms. So I was like, I've got the, I've got the thing for you. And remember that, uh, that scene in Boondock Saints where they go into the arms room. You remember that? Where they're about yeah. to do their first heist when all those guns on the wall. Well, on the back of the wall was this Irish flag with these two banners that kind of streamed, you know, very thing. And it said something like, for this, we will defend and we will not, whatever. You know, some Irish saying with the E's at the end of, you know, old, you know. And uh, I was like, you need to get that. And I, I fast forwarded because it was DVDs back then. I was playing it on my computer and I paused that part. And I was like, you need to get that flag on your forearm. And he was like, hell yeah because it was perfect he's a big irish bull you know you know bellicose like josh said so we go down to a tattoo place and i get my stupid tattoo on my back that i still regret and go on to get covered up as a dumb tribal thing at the top it's not a tramp stamp it's at the top of my back but it's almost as bad but he got this badass irish flag and so we get back from kosovo and all of a sudden everybody i don't know it, you know 9-11 had happened we got back so now all of a sudden everybody's worried about extremists and everything. So they called everybody, to, you know, if you have a tattoo on your body, we need to take a picture of it. So we all had to go in and you remember that was around 2001, 2002. So they take pictures of all our tattoos and Sully gets called in to CID or who the hell ever. 
because of a tattoo on his forearm. And it was an Irish Republican Army tattoo. And he's like, I'm not a terrorist. I swear this guy, Luke. Uh, the world is truly, you know, I got I to throw this out there. Um, and and it's, it's one of those questions that we struggle with as veterans. And one of those things where, you know, a friend of ours, Ryan, thank you for telling us that, you know, Ryan's one of those guys that, you know, can give you bad news. Uh, you know, sometimes you don't want to tell people bad news. And Ryan told us, we really appreciate that, Ryan, but he, he included something in there of natural causes. And, you know, part of you's like, well, you know, he did, it wasn't suicide. And you, you're not any happier about it, but it makes my soul happier, I guess, that he wasn't miserable. You know, he, he was a happy man. And yeah, shout out to Sully. And I'll, I'll save the rest of my, my shout outs to later too, Josh. That was a good call. And yeah, pour a little drink out for Sully because believe me, at least when I knew him, he liked to have a drink or two. And until next time, keep your canteen cups full and tightly secured.